Hey everybody, today we're going to talk about how we get past the term good enough on things we face in life. My body, my mind, and my brain was severely damaged, and somehow I figured out how to get past good enough. I hope you enjoy it. from Chris as well. Um, so he says, first, as someone who was on top of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual faculties before the accident, what was it like to come to terms with the fact that you're going to have to rebuild everything from rock bottom? Yeah, in the, in the beginning, I was really confused because I knew I crashed and I knew it was a very severe situation but I didn't really understand my injuries and I didn't understand the surgery and the extent it, uh, like I had to learn about it after. So this wasn't like a planned surgery and you understand it, but I only looked forward and I never said good enough um, because good enough would have been, I would have had a good enough life. Um, and I've never really been that type of person. So why start now? So each day I said to myself, I have to do one tiny bit more than the day before just a little bit even if it meant being able to lift honestly lift a pan out of the oven because that took three months to do just to bend over and pull a pan out um and not a heavy pan but every day i could do one little thing that was that was good um and so nothing was ever good enough because life to me is not a chore it's not like you're doing the dishes so everything i did I also had to figure out with my injury. So I had to get really creative and I mean everything. I had to figure out how to cook, how to bathe myself, walking, putting shoes on, biking. Like the biking's a pretty funny one. I started off with this, of course, everything I had to talk to my doctors about, everything. So I got this big old three-wheel granny tricycle with a giant basket on the back. And I was really scared riding this thing. And it was funny because I got a lot of compliments on that thing out here on the promenade where I live. And I was like, really? I thought people were going to like give me a bunch of crap for it, but they, they everybody loved it. Then I progressed to a recumbent three-wheel bike. And this is one when you're kind of in a chair, and this one had three wheels. So and it was low to the ground, so it was safer. Then I progressed to another bike. So I did that with a lot of stuff, never settling. And now I'm just really really happy I did that. I think you found some joy in redefining all those little victories too. I think that's, you had some fun with it. I did. I did. I mean, driving around on that, on that bike with that, with that big old granny basket, I throw a dog in the back sometimes too, and just cruise up and down the promenade. One day I did, one day I did like, like 14 miles on that thing <laughs> on the granny, on the granny bike, but it was, it was awesome. Then I sold it to a lady that had back surgery. She goes, look, I need to get going. And she was a cyclist. Hey, I have this bike. I'll sell you. And she's stoked. She, she, I sold it to her dirt cheap, delivered it to her house. And I was really happy that helped her out too. So awesome. Yeah. All right. So then for us non-athletes, what are a few things to keep in mind regarding patience and giving the body time to recover? Huh, the non-athletes. Okay. So picture me in a hospital bed, not able to walk, and I can just do fist clenches. So I would say at that point, I was pretty much way less of an athlete than anybody else out there. Okay. And I say that so people can really, you know, learn and understand that where you are now is, is, your, is wherever you are. 
And active recovery is not sitting around. It's doing something. You just, just, just go start doing it. Um, so I went eight days without walking. And then I went six weeks with a neck brace on 24-7, barely moving around with a walker. Like this was, I looked like, I looked like a bad situation walking, right? And I burned through the tennis balls on the bottom of the walker so much, I'm just dragging metal. So you just hear this dragging, scraping noise everywhere I went, right? So everybody knew where I was, where I was coming like a half a mile away. Oh, here comes that guy, right? You weren't sneaking um, up on anybody. There he is. No, I wasn't sneaking up on anybody. So I was definitely less fit than anybody. And it took about three months to lift my, my arms up to my shoulder height. And then 14 months of physical therapy. So what I had to do here is I had to be, I had to do active recovery and I had to make sure I was smart about it because I'm, I'm, I was in a pretty critical situation even after that I got out of the hospital because one fall I would have been doomed and really doomed. So active recovery was my method. And again, I don't think sitting around making excuses really will get you anywhere. It's true. So what lesson do you want us to take away from this? I think there's a couple like never settle. That's for sure. And don't worry about what you look like as you start on this, <laughs> on you start on this journey, because um, if I had to worry about that, I would, I would, I'd, I'd still be laying on my couch. You know, it, it, you know, if you look like the goober out there, you look like the goober out there. It doesn't matter. You have to start somewhere. Um, and then since the crash, I, you know, I stayed with it. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't stayed with it and hadn't pushed my own recovery, again, I didn't overdo it, but I definitely pushed it. I've since then, I've climbed to the top of Half Dome with a buddy with a heavy pack. Um, this past summer, I paddled across the ocean from the Channel Islands. You know, it was a 14 mile open ocean paddle. I had some pretty amazing adventures in French Polynesia during the pandemic lockdown. And I know 